This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It is the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. My name is Blair Angulo. In a quick moment, we will be joined by national recruiting analyst Brian Doan to discuss the big commitments of the weekend. And we will also look ahead to a possible commitment by the end of this week with two Big Ten schools among those fighting for the pledge. Remember to please hit that subscribe button. Please review us. Please rate us. If you leave a five-star Apple podcast review with your recruiting question, you've got a chance to have it answered by one of our recruiting analysts here on this show. As we do every week, let's begin with the kickoff. Week four was not kind to the Oklahoma Sooners as they fell in an upset to Kansas State. But on the recruiting side of things, they were able to pick up a big commitment. Wide receiver Jaleel Farouk joins the fold, joins the Sooners, and adds another DMV product to that recruiting class, which features five-star quarterback Caleb Williams. This is another example that on-field results, especially immediate ones, aren't always the big indicator in recruiting battles as Jaleel Farouk chooses the Sooners fresh off their loss to K-State. Joining us now to discuss a little bit more about Jaleel Farouk to Oklahoma is Brian Doan. He's a national recruiting analyst for 24-7 Sports. You can follow him on Twitter at Brian Doan 24-7. You can send him all your soccer input now that you are uh, decorated and, and really into the sport because Brian's been trying to get every fan that listens to this college football recruiting podcast into the sport of soccer. Well, that's accurate. And, you know, when you and I texted yesterday and you asked me if the Galaxy would score, I said, I hope so. They did get one yesterday. Now they gave up, you know, a few more than one. Looked absolutely horrific. And after coming out of the MLS's back tournament and playing well, they've just been awful the last few games. And you just wonder. Usually my ire is is focused on the U.S. men's national team and it's coaching situation now it's on the galaxy and its coaching situation because clearly that ain't working it's not it's not going well for you brian doan uh speaking of of not going well oklahoma loses its its game to kansas state but on the recruiting side does uh, get a victory right getting a jaleel farouk what do you like about him what makes him a a top 24 7 prospect yeah I, i mean he's a receiver out of upper marlboro Maryland Wise High School, you know, uh, it's a program that is one of the best in the state on the public level year after year. Um, and, and what I like about him is, A, he's versatile. Uh, I, it's funny, I was watching Trevon Diggs play in the NFL on Sunday, and all I kept thinking is, man, he reminds me of, you know, J- Jalil Farouk's kind of similar. Diggs could have played offense, defense, you know, at Alabama. He wound up playing on defense. Um, and I think Farouk is that guy. He's six foot, 200, really loose hips. He excels on defense. He's a tremendous receiver. Um, you know, a lot of kids like to play offense these days. But I, the first thing I like about him is he can play defensive 
if Oklahoma decides, hey, look, we have a bigger need there, you know, down the line. He's going there as a receiver. His good friend is Caleb Williams, the five-star quarterback. But Farouk, he tracks the ball well. He goes up and gets it. He's, he's gotten a lot better in his route running than, the, you know, when I saw him earlier in his career. Um, locates the ball well. And he's a big physical kid who, you know, he's not going to really in the open field just jukey and go past you, but he's big and strong and he's going to be tough to bring down after the catch one-on-one. Um, there, there's really a, a ton to like for him. You know, he's going to go play in the All-American Bowl down in San Antonio in early January, which tells you the kind of level of talent he is. I, I think, you know, because he didn't do a ton of interviews because he wasn't able to hit the camp circuit and really explode, people probably aren't as familiar with him but it's a big time pickup for Oklahoma it it sounds like this was in the works with Caleb Williams being a close friend uh, and you can read about this more on on the 24-7 sports Oklahoma website where it is published Brian Doan had a a breakdown of of this commitment but uh, I know Brian that package deals typically don't work out in college football recruiting it's usually something that recruits say or recruits like to point out, but they hardly ever materialize. This one, it seems like it is working in Oklahoma's favor. It does seem like Caleb Williams had some impact here, and it could you know, potentially be another big win for them given the fact that Williams committed and, and, and he's bringing in some, some talented pass catchers. They have Mario Williams out of the state of Florida, they have Cody Jackson out of the state of Texas, and now they add Jaleel Farouk out of the state of Maryland. Yeah, well, two things. I mean, when I wrote about the commitment, Jaleel talked about how he's going to room with Caleb Williams at Oklahoma. So that was a I big think every, part of it. Does every receiver want to room with Caleb Williams? <laughs> I yeah, mean, they, I, mean, I, I think they've got to bring yeah. rock, paper, scissors for that one. Yeah, 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 except the one thing Farouk has going in his advantage is they've known each other since they played youth football together, and that's where the connection is. Um, you know, and, and the one thing about players from that region, the DMV, you know, District of Columbia, Northern Virginia, Maryland, it's a really tight community in terms of recruits from class to class. And because they all play Pop Warner together, or, or a lot of them do, I should say. And so they've known each other for a long time. And so it's key. And they've talked about, you know, going to school together. But listen, man, I, unless you're twins, I do not believe in package deals. And here's why if Caleb Williams decided, hey, I'm better off going to LSU or I'm going to go um, wherever, you know, Georgia, whatever. Well, I mean, is Jalil Farouk going with them? Because now those schools have to recruit him and show a lot more interest than they have been. A kid isn't going somewhere because another kid's going there. Now it may work out that way. And in this case, it worked out perfectly. What Caleb Williams saw in Oklahoma, Jalil Farouk saw a lot of the same things and that he liked about it. And it's so easy. Oh, package deal. Man, kids want different things. No matter how tight they are, if you list one through 10 on their list of what's important to them, it's not going to be the same. And that's why I really don't believe in package deals, even though things can work out to where the kids go to the same school together. Oklahoma with the number one class in the Big 12 and 12th overall nationally in the 24-7 sports composite team recruiting rankings. We are joined by Brian Doan. He's a national recruiting analyst for 24-7 Sports. You can follow him on Twitter at BrianDoan247. Brian, so Jaleel Farouk commits to Oklahoma, 
And you, you mentioned all kind of the, the things that make him a top 24-7 prospect. But when you look in the future and, and when you look into your crystal ball and you think of his fit in that offense, given what we know that Lick and Riley likes to do, the way the receivers are able to get open, the, the, the different route concepts that the Sooners implement in their, in their offense, what do you think the, the potential is for Farouk? Is he a guy that you could see leading the Big 12 in receiving yards and touchdowns? I mean, what kind of player should Sooner fans expect out of Farouk down the road? Yeah, I mean, it, leading the conference and all that, I know what you mean, but Lord knows how many you know times somebody at Texas Tech is going to throw, and, and, and you don't know that stuff. What I, what I know in terms of Oklahoma is this. Farouk is a kid that can do a lot of different things. He can take the short little slant and make yards after the catch. He is not afraid to go over the middle. Uh, he's got speed and the size to, to really win the one-on-ones down the field and the 50-50 balls. You can use him in a lot of different spots. Um, and, and I think that's really important to know that he's not – you can't really pigeonhole him into something. He's also a kid that understands how to use his body well. He could be a possession-type guy. You know, he, he's not a, you know, four-four-one kid, at least in my eyes he's not. But he runs well, and he, and he can get behind a secondary, and he's a really smart player. I mean, and so whatever Oklahoma wants to use him as, whether they want to put him in a slot a little bit, and, and I don't think that's what he is. I think he's more outside. But when you're talking about Oklahoma and, you know, running with four receivers and all that stuff, you can really do a lot of things with him in, in terms of, he can catch over the middle. He can go deep. He's a possession guy. He has great body control. He knows how to use the sideline. Um, I just think, and physically he's mature. And so I think when he gets on campus, he should be able to pick up the offense. He should be able to get into that rotation pretty quickly. And, and I think he has the athleticism to match up with a lot of the other receivers that he's going to compete with. Yeah. So Farouk becomes another prospect from the DNV headed to Oklahoma. They've got Caleb Williams, five-star quarterback out of D.C., Kelvin Gilliam, a defensive end from the state of Virginia, also a four-star prospect, uh, now with Farouk. And I think they have uh, Damon Harmon as well, a, a four-star cornerback, also from the state of Virginia. We'll be, we'll be right back with more here on the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. What if I told you imaginary friends are real? This is just so exciting. This Friday, get ready for the movie event with the greatest cast you've ever imagined. Showtime. Ryan Reynolds, John Krasinski, Kaylee Fleming, Fiona Shaw, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, Louis Gossett Jr., Matt Damon, Emily Blunt, George Clooney, Maya Rudolph, Bradley Cooper, Sebastian Maniscalco, John Stewart, Sam Rockwell, Aquafina, Keegan-Michael Key, and Steve Carell. I need to throw up or I need a snack. It's one of the two. Gross. If. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Written and directed by John Krasinski. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. We are back on the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. I am Blair Angulo, joined by Brian Doan. You can follow him on Twitter, at Brian Doan 24-7. And like I said before, you, you can text him your 
your soccer input because he is all about the other football. I know this is a football recruiting podcast, but um, Brian Doan, you are our correspondent. I feel, you know, we got it. Uh, I, I need to address this because we got a review saying that this podcast had turned into a soccer podcast. And, you know, well, thank I, you. <laughs> I, well, and, and I was going to, I was going to, I was going to screenshot it and, and send it your way, but I felt, Hey, what better way to address this than to, to bring it up on the podcast with, with Brian Doan, Brian, we're going to get into recruiting. Okay. But, but I know that you are a big soccer guy and, and, and I, and the, the, the reason I want to bring this up is because we've got college football now. We've got the NBA finals. We've got the MLB playoffs. You obviously watch a lot of the soccer in the morning. How do you juggle everything? Being on the East Coast, is it easier for you? It is easier, and, and here's the benefit. Um, you know, and my, one of my kids plays travel soccer. The other one had played, and now he's older and, and plays lacrosse. But um, the thing is this. Like, if I go out to a game and I'm sitting there talking to people – they may be telling me what Bama did or Ohio State did or, you know, I'm, I'm here in the East, so Penn State or Maryland or Rutgers or if it's a Sunday, they're talking about the Cowboys or the Giants or how god-awful the Jets and Giants both are. But I'm not really going out there and having people go, hey, man, Liverpool looked really good against Crystal Palace. <laughs> so you are, you know, I'm able to DVR a lot and come back and watch it. Um, you know, and then late at night, I'll watch it. You know, I, I get to sit here and work and talk on the phone. And if a game's on, I'll have it on or I'll pause it or, or whatever. So it's it's hard to balance. There's a lot to balance. And so I miss out on some of the other shows I, I really like to watch and enjoy watching. I'm a big Discovery Channel guy. But, you know, it, it is easy to stay away from the score. So it, it, it makes it, you know, at least doable. You know, and it's, I think this is around, around the right time to get into all that because we've got about two years to go until the next World Cup. And uh, you get acclimated very, very quickly. You get, you know, into it. You start to understand who could potentially be in that World Cup. And, and everyone's watching that. You know, in 2022, it's, it's a global event. And even the people that aren't diehards get into it. So what better way to get into it than with Brian Doan, who, who will <laughs> kind of give you a, a brief update here now, here now and then. Um, let's talk some Big Ten recruiting, Brian. Uh, there was another commitment that decided not to go to the Big Ten, and that was Diego Pound. But he had a Big Ten school atop his board for a long time. He commits to North Carolina, but Penn State had been the, the school out in front for him and his commitment. He's a 6'6", 305-pound offensive lineman from Raleigh, North Carolina. And, um, you know, th this one, I think, stung for Penn State. It, it did stink for Penn State for a number of reasons. But let me start with this. You don't even understand how good of a segue it was going from soccer to talking about Diego Pounds because Don Callahan at Inside Carolina and Sean Fitz at Lines 247 – Fitz is a QPR guy who who him and I talk a lot of soccer and Callahan is just learning about soccer and I was actually on a podcast on Inside Carolina over the summer and I bet you we spent 20 minutes going over soccer because I was trying to explain the different things of it so from that standpoint great segue Blair but with Diego Pounds um, he was pretty much locked into Penn State it seemed since geez mid-summer to late you know, even later in the summer, but then a 
and this is why you love recruiting and people talk about, Hey, sometimes crystal balls can, you know, point things and, and maybe take a little excitement away. But in this case, it wasn't because Diego pounds up until geez, maybe last Tuesday, you're, he's locked in Penn state's getting him. It's everything looks good for Penn state. And then Wednesday you start hearing all this North Carolina stuff and all of a sudden the Tar Heels make this big push and you have to go back and look at it because it's a really interesting recruitment on what happened. And it starts out with Jared Wilson, who is an offensive lineman from North Carolina, decommitting from the Tar Heels and going to Georgia. And that happens August 3rd. The next day, North Carolina, who had not offered Diego Pounds, who plays at Millbrook in North Carolina, which is about a half hour from North Carolina's campus, Diego Pounds did not have an offer from North Carolina. So you're thinking, okay, you could see why Penn State, Phil Troutwine's great O-line coach, can develop guys at Penn State, but Pounds has never been to campus there. So all of a sudden, North Carolina offers them, and at first you're hearing, hey, family wasn't exactly thrilled that North Carolina didn't offer until this late in the process, and there's going to be some fences to mend. And lo and behold, as it moves along, and now again, half hour from campus, hey, your family can come see you play all the time. You can come to campus anytime you need. If you want to go home, you can go home. Your community knows you, and all that stuff starts working. And then lo and behold, come Wednesday, you're here in North Carolina. Come Thursday, Thursday afternoon, you're here, and it's going to be North Carolina. And so you're talking with people like, oh, unsure, and, and you're talking to your different sources. And you know, come Friday morning, it's okay. It's Diego pounds. It looks like he's going to North Carolina and now you're just waiting for that last little, okay, let's make sure we have it 100% before he announces. And it was just a, it was a strange recruitment. It is a 2020 COVID recruitment to where he couldn't get out and visit. He never made it to Penn state. And, and so I, I think it's a really, um, interesting recruitment to look at with the way it changed probably in the last 10 days, seven to 10 days. And, you know, you, and so the question is, well, North Carolina had offered Jared Wilson, what changed with Diego Pounds that all of a sudden they got involved as heavily as they did? I think, I mean, that's very interesting that you bring that up because it, it is the nearby school and he wasn't able to take visits. So obviously never able to go out to Penn State and, and check them out. But I think it'd be very interesting to maybe graph this or to have a way to input this data and figure out how many recruits stayed home per se, right? Or, 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 or stayed to the closest option or, or stayed to the nearby option. I think that would be very fascinating to look at here in this 2020 class. And when you factor in the fact that uh, North Carolina is, is the hometown school for pounds. But then you also look at maybe what they've been building in this class and the momentum that they have built with their football program under Coach Mac Brown. You know, they have a, a top 12 class right now, number 11 nationally, number three in the ACC. How much do you think Diego Pounds looked at that, looked at the projection and the trajectory of the program when factoring all this into yeah, I mean, I, I think that stuff all gets considered. And, and just in talking to a few people close to him, you know, he, he was looking at, hey, North Carolina's on the rise. But, you know, two things to me overshadow that. A, um, I, I don't know if he's sitting there breaking down the class, but he knows there's a lot of buzz involving North Carolina and Mac Brown and, and how well they're doing in recruiting. And B, you know, he's going to play a half hour from his home. And 
sometimes that's really important to kids. And he didn't have that option until, you know, he did with, you know, whether it was NC State or, or whomever, you know, he could have gone there, but clearly he, he held North Carolina in a different regard. And so all those things factor in and then you offer them and now you have to, you know, continue to work at it if you're North Carolina to make sure, okay, here's why we didn't offer you. Here's what we we're waiting on and make sure that relationship is strong. Make sure that whatever issues there were get ironed out and, and you hear both sides. And then, you know, at the end of the day, you make a business decision. It And it's, it's to him, it was more important to be closer to home and playing at North Carolina than it was going to Penn State. Yeah, and speaking of Penn State, you were telling me before we hit record on this podcast that they had a, a few visitors on campus, and, and you know, it, it kind of there's an interesting wrinkle there. Yeah, you know, it's Nicholas Singleton, a 22 from Pennsylvania, you know, really highly ranked kid, top two, four, seven kid, and Riley Collins from you know a 2022. 6263 cornerback from Philadelphia were among you know a, a small group of kids who were on campus on Sunday and you know they got to walk around the campus and look at things and you know the Penn State setup like so many other places is there's places that you can get a quick glimpse of practice if you're walking by or whatever and what I don't think what people understand of and I, I've heard this going on at schools is you know we know you can't do it unofficial visits in a traditional sense. There are no official visits right now. The NCAA shut those down through the end of December at least. But the rule is if you're a kid who goes to campus, you are allowed to do anything that the normal population can do. At Florida, that's one of the few places where they leave the stadium unlocked and people can go work out you know, in the swamp. And so if you're a kid going to campus, you can get into the swamp because it's open. And if you're practicing, you can, and there's a place where the public can stand. And I know this happened. I was talking to a kid who you know said he stood up on a hill at UVA and was able to see some of the practice um, with the public. So if the public is allowed to stand somewhere, well, a prospect can do that, and it's not part of a visit. It's just part of the public. So I think schools and, and people are trying to come up with creative ways to follow the rules and still, you know, allow kids to get some kind of experience visiting campus. Yeah, so if, if, if a college program has outdoor football practices, uh, you, you could expect that to be maybe a plus uh, compared to some, some programs that obviously right. practice in a bubble or in a facility or or underground or wherever it may be. Well, uh, we, Blair, you know, with UCLA and being out there, um, you know, you used to, I, I haven't been there in a number of years, so I don't know the exact layout still, but there used to be a parking deck it's, on two it's, sides it's of the practice there. field. Yeah, it, it's still and, there. It's a multi-level parking deck with right. a, with, with roof parking. So if you park on the top level exposed to the sun and, and all that, obviously if you're a recruit, that's where you would want to park. But they have basically a little, I want to say it's called maybe a ledge where you have a really good view of everything that's happening on the football field. Yeah. And, and then the other parking deck is where I used to park as a media member, even though it's, it, there's different levels, you could, you were able to see out onto the practice field as a general, you know, member of the public. And so there's all places all around that you can do that. And it's just, you know, could, people are getting creative. Yeah, USC has the same thing. You know, they have a few 
parking structures. There's a baseball field where there are stands behind the outfield and you could also go up to the stands and kind of take a peek into the football facility. Uh, so yeah, there's a lot of different things and, and that's going to be interesting with, with big 10 schools and with PAC 12 schools, because the other conferences, the other programs in those conferences have already at least been able to lay things out on the field, right? The, the product within game uh, kind of examples to, to send out to recruits. Uh, but Big Ten schools, Pac-12 schools, they still haven't been able to, to show what they're about, whether that's a new coach or a new assistant or a new offense or new wrinkles that they want to be able to express to the recruits. Um, so I think that could be another interesting thing to kind of monitor and, and to, to continue to ask with recruits. Brian, before we let you go, there's a, another big commitment coming th this week from composite four-star defense attack or George Rooks. It looks like he's down to two schools, two Big Ten schools, Michigan and Penn State. He's a 6'4", 260-pound lineman from St. Peter's Prep in Jersey City, New Jersey. Yeah, and, and you know, he's also listing Boston College and Pitt as finalists. Um, I, I, I think it's Michigan or Penn State. A lot of people think that uh, if I had to – you know, lean either way. I, I'd lean the Penn State way right now, but really slightly, which is why I haven't put in a crystal ball pick yet. Um, he tells – I was with him Thursday night after his scrimmage. Uh, I, I was at his practice two weeks prior to that. He tells me he wants the decision done by the time the season opens. And for St. Peter's Prep, that's Friday against West Orange. Um, for me – it's not 100% he's going to do it by then. He wants to. Um, he's really kept things quiet so much so, you know, when usually when you talk to your various sources, they have an idea on where he's leaning. Um, on this one, it's not as clear cut. I mean, I spoke to his defensive line coach, Javon Parker, who, you know, spent a lot of time in the NFL and played at Rutgers. And he's like, yeah, I, I don't know. He, he's not saying a word about where he wants to go. You know, his dad played at Syracuse. His sister played basketball at Stanford, Harvard, and Michigan. So there's familiarity there. He he took trips to campuses over the summer to look around and get a feel for things. He wants it done by Friday. I think it'll get done by Friday, but we're still waiting to see if he's – he told me he'd, he'd, he'd let everybody know the day before that he was going to announce. Um, we'll, we'll see where it goes. I, I watched him play. He was good. He, he was more explosive. He used his hands better. St. Peter's Prep used him off the edge. Uh, they played Nork Westside, who – you know, they don't have the, the left tackles and to, to really handle them. They, they let them go one-on-one -on -one against the left tackle. And then when they moved them against the right tackle, um, you know, they weren't chipping him much with a running back or anything. But all that said, he looked quicker. He looked like his hands were, were much better. He, he, they were much quicker as well. Um, I, I'm excited to see him in a couple weeks again to see – you know, whether he merits a, a jump in the rankings. But as far as his recruitment goes, this is one that if you're Penn State, you, you really need to win. All right, Brian Doan, he's a national recruiting analyst for 24-7 Sports. You can follow him on Twitter at Brian Doan 247 Thank you so much, Brian. Hey, thank you. All right, that was Brian Doan. A reminder, we're aiming to do another mailbag episode real soon here on the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. So remember to put in your review with five stars and leave a recruiting question in that Apple Podcast review for a chance to have it answered by one of our analysts on the 24-7 Sports Network.
directors Matt Damon and Ben Affleck explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply.